da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. All right. Well, this is long awaited and much anticipated and much requested and all the above for that. Uh, this is our Batman talk. The one that we've been kind of teasing and wanting to do for a long time. We've had Batman talk in the past, and most recently, kind of in uh, I like I like to forget it, but it was the Dawn of Justice talk or Beavis, BVS talk. <laughs> and um, our guest this evening was a guest on that episode, and he's the expert in all things Batman. He works out in the studios in L.A. I'm not going to be more specific because we don't want to risk anything. But Shane is back on the show. Shane, what's up? Hey. Hey, everybody. How are you guys? Good. We don't want to r- ruin his burgeoning adult film career. <laughs> I don't want to give, any, give away any stage names here. Um, yeah. Shane I feel like is, since this is my third time on the show now to talk about Batman, I'm like this close to printing out cards that just say Batman expert. I feel like I've earned it. At this we point. support that. Go for it. Yeah. Your socks <laughs> at your wedding were the Batman logo, so I feel like uh, that earns it alone. Those rumors are true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> you you know definitely more about Batman than anyone I have ever met, and I know a lot of people <laughs> that like Batman. So I think you're 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 at the top of the list, and you're the most requested on this subject matter on the show. Um, so this is going to be fun. Um, Anytime we're, we're being more specific this episode. I think we've talked in generics about Batman in the past, um, just how you grew up with it, or uh, just which movies. Um, or your favorite, but we're focusing tonight on the Nolan movies. And mm-hmm. I guess kind of the conversation will vary between what makes these g- good, if you like them, what makes them better than the other Batman movies, or what they did wrong, or what they could have done better, or uh, all of that stuff. So this is going to this is gonna be kind of a wide variety of stuff. But um, So Shane, welcome back, and uh, we're joined again by Brian and Richard, of course, hey. as always, this evening. What up? What up? Um, I'm excited to hear y'all's thoughts, too, on this, Mm -hmm. because, um, again, we've meant to do this for a while, and I'm sure this is maybe going to be part one of another episode, you know, Um, because this is kind of a conversation I don't know if we can cram into uh, one show length, um, seriously. So, uh, I guess we'll just start this thing off by uh, general thoughts, like we always do, and uh, we'll start with Richard Barden this evening on general thoughts on kind of the Nolan trilogy. And we'll I'm sure we'll start with begins here in a minute, Batman mm-hmm. begins and then work our way to the end. Um, but, uh, just general thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I grew up with the, you know, the, uh, Schumacher and Burton and I used that order on purpose, uh, Batman. Films. <laughs> and, uh, no, and, and I always liked Batman who don't, what kid doesn't like Batman. And then, uh, became aware of this i got really into uh like filmmaking and you know the behind the scenes type of thing in like late middle school high school and this movie like got announced probably shane would he's he went shane and i went to high school together uh like what probably like our sophomore junior year was announced and kind of then bail got signed on and we were all like memento nerds and so it was like this is like this beacon thing it's going to come out after we graduate from high school and uh and so it in so it was like always this like they're gonna do Batman right. I didn't even really know what that meant, but I was excited about it. And uh and so that uh that movie came out 
and loved it. Saw it opening day. I think I saw it opening day twice. Um, nice. and loved it. Was super excited for the Dark Knight. Um, even before whatever. And then, uh, obviously the marketing hype to Dark Knight was crazy. And then one day, I was at work. This is my favorite movie going experience of my life. <laughs> I, I was at work, um, just go, you know, going through the slog, like working a retail job in college. And I get a call from Shane and he's like, Hey, you want to go see dark Knight tonight? And, uh, dead on Shane, by the way, spot, um, spot, spot on. on. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. He's like, you want to go see? And I was like, first off I can't, I'm at work, but also it doesn't come out for like four weeks. And Shane was like, I got tickets from the Joker. I was like, what the, okay. Well, all right. Don't know what that means. So like I hang up, I'm like, no, I can't go. So I hang up and I talk to my boss and I'm like, yeah, sorry. My friend called. He uh, wanted to know if I wanted to go see Batman tonight. He was like, oh, you can go. That sounds awesome. You should leave. And my, this boss was like, never cool about that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'll go. So I drive to this theater, which is the same theater where we've now seen Star Wars the last couple of times. But the time was like yeah. kind of far from my house where I grew up. And drove there, and it was just like this huge mass of people. And I'm like, the screening's at like nine. I get there at like eight fifty eight, and there's still everyone out. I'm like, there's no way this is gonna work. And I like see Shane. Shane's giant, by the way. For those of you listening at home, he's like, what are you like six four, six five, six five, six five of just blonde. Like he's a Hitler majesty. Dream. Yeah, of- <laughs> and he had a Batman shirt on. I'm sure. That's and so he's good. yeah, he's wearing. The- and it's like a couple of other of our buddies. And I see Shane, and I'm like, this is weird there's no way this is going to work. Like we're all just going to go into this theater and they're just going to like, you know, show us the old Burt Ward Batman. <laughs> and so, uh, we go into this big, I still would have been a pretty, pretty fun. I'm night, like but... totally cynical the whole time. Like it is not a dawn to me. Cause I'd been mm-hmm. typing the dark Knight up for years in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I was still not planning on seeing it for like another shame. What that was like four weeks out, right? It was like a month out from the release. It was a ways. <laughs> If memory serves me, it was two days out, but at oh. the same time, because, because the hype was so the okay. hype was so big for the movie, to see it even twenty minutes early was a yeah. big deal. Okay, so way to kill my story, but okay, so it's two days out. <laughs> get him and, off. Just cut it. Cut his mic quick. Let's get, let's get yeah. him. Yeah, no, no, no. So I really didn't remember it way wrong, but okay. So it's Richard two days is seventy five in his memory. But two days <laughs> equals four months. <laughs> and so I, uh, I'm like so hyped. Wasn't really getting on seeing this yet. And we get into the IMAX theater. Some guy comes. Everyone's like dressed like Batman and stuff. It's like pr- really like my hell, but I'm still excited. And uh, the guy comes out. I was like, "Hey, everyone! Uh, thanks. You you won the Joker. It was some viral marketing campaign that Shane was stalking online and got these tickets. And uh, they're like, the Joker got you guys here. Enjoy the Dark Knight. And the lights go out, and the movie just started. And no trailers, nothing. And if you remember, it starts with that like really crazy IMAX. We're in an IMAX theater. That IMAX shot of the bank heist, mm. and it's like a that, and we're all just like, oh, whoa." And then I just remember like all of a sudden it was two hours later and we all walked out like, Oh my gosh, that was the coolest thing ever. So that was, uh, that was dark night. And then I saw dark night rises just midnight the day it opened, which was obviously a very bittersweet night for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Batman fans because of the, the tragedy in Colorado. So yeah, these movies are always like, re- these are like big epic movies of my twenties. Um, and I love them and I always want them to be overrated because I want to be contrarian on them. But every time I watch them, I, I like Sarah had not seen them a couple years ago. So I watched them again with her. And they're like, gosh, these are st-, especially Dark Knight. It's so it's paced so perfectly. It's so freaking good. And uh, and uh, so that's that's me. Cool. 
general thoughts to you, uh, Brian. Yeah, you know, Batman Begins is a weird spot in my movie history. I I can pretty much remember because I'm really, I don't know, weird and I use my brain in strange ways instead of learning math or practical things that actually matter. Like I can generally remember pretty much every movie, like what theater I saw it in or who I was with or just some random fact to like tie myself to that time and typically can can kind of recall you know, casting decisions and the lead up to a movie coming out. Batman Begins occupies a weird space. And I, th- I guess it was just the the time that's towards the end of my college experience. And maybe I'm just, I don't know, was actually studying for a semester or something. But I, I don't really remember a lot of the buildup to the movie beyond just being maybe a little um, apprehensive or possibly even a little bit cold towards it because Batman, the, the Batman, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Batman is we we've done an episode on it is one of the, I don't know, five most memorable theater experiences of my life. And so I probably was a little bit, um, not thrilled about a new Batman, having had that kind of bastardized by Batman and Robin and, and to a lesser extent, Batman forever and whatnot. Um, but so I think Batman Begins kind of caught me off guard of like, I was don't, I guess I wasn't sh- super sure whether to expect great things from this. I didn't really know Christopher Nolan's work too well at that point. I didn't love Insomnia. It's, it's grown on me since. And I don't think I had seen Memento until uh, probably after Batman Begins. And so I wasn't super enthused about it, but I distinctly remember coming out thinking like that was a that was a game-changing sort of movie and and in hindsight that seems even dumb to to like question that that would have been possible just knowing what we know now and where uh the the universe and the franchise went with dark knight it kind of you know that's like duh like obviously that was a huge deal that changed it kind of really changed how we look at um several different genres of movies um and influenced a lot of movies moving forward not to mention its own sequels uh but it was it was such a unique feeling coming out of that theater of just like wow like something that was really i need to digest that and i don't think i'd ever experienced that with anything resembling uh, a comic book movie or even a big blockbuster to some extent. And then you move on to the dark Knight, And that was probably beyond any like star Wars movies might be the most hyped movie I've, I've ever experienced to this point in my life. Like I just, you, you touched on it, Richard. It felt like for about six months, you could not go anywhere without somebody wanting to talk to you about the dark Knight. Like it was just such a huge, uh, like epicenter of pop culture for that whole period. And it's a perfect movie. And we're going to talk about it in depth in a little bit. Um, and then dark Knight rises. I I'm really excited. I'm maybe more excited to talk about that one than I am, uh, the other two, cause I think it's more divisive, but I quite enjoyed that one a lot too. And remember, uh, seeing it with my friends and, and discussing, uh, where that ended up. And I, I think it, you know, it, it ties up the series quite well. And, uh, this is a this is one of the best. Um, I don't think these movies made my top ten list, but it was cert- they were certainly in contention. As a trilogy, they work really well together, which is something that I'm always looking for in a series or a franchise or a universe or whatever. So that's you know it's got that going for it, um, and they are insanely rewatchable. All of them to me, even Dark Knight Rises, but especially Dark Knight and, and Batman Begins. Um, they are they are movies that I rewatch at least once a year, um, which is, a, you know, a small group of, of films. 
uh, to the point that like I didn't rewatch it in preparation for uh, for this podcast because I watched them like two months prior. So, you know, it's still pretty fresh in, in my mind. So uh, great, great series. No one's the best. Um, I think the casting's great. They really represent sort of the best of not just the best comic book movie, because I think Dark Knight is that, and it's not really very questionable to me. I don't think there's much in contention for that spot. Green Lantern. Uh, besides Green, <laughs> I mean, besides Green Lantern, I felt like that was uh, that I had stated that already. But no, it's it's also just like the way that they um, they fit together. It, it's it's really to me, I think, is very clearly above and beyond. Uh, everything else within this genre and and almost everything in this genre has kind of come after it so it's an interesting yeah. element to get it right the first time uh, in a way is uh is sort of a, a unique thing so that's and, my long-winded thoughts and uh but i'm excited to talk more in depth with you guys and we should say we on our 100th episode we asked for people's top 10 movies that was a long time ago that was a couple years ago mm-hmm. um and we did that and uh, we still get them all the time because people listen to that episode and email them in. And please do email your top 10 favorite movies to uh, madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. We'll engage with you a little bit on it. But that is by far the most common movie in everyone's top 10 is The Dark mm-hmm. Knight. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Well, that and uh, Good Burger. <laughs> hey, come on. What do you got to do Kel like that while he's down? <laughs> Kel's been down for down? 15 years, but it's okay. Oh. We all love orange soda. So what about you? What about, well, so we go, so we go Kent or Shane next. Who's Batman? Cause I know Kent missed some of these for a while. Cause you were, you were out banding it up. Dude, I missed touring the world. I think I missed, I think I missed begins to be honest. I think yeah. it just kind of came and went and I'm kind of with Brian, uh, on as far as the fact that I just don't really remember the buildup to it. I don't really remember. I remember the reaction was like, Oh, you guys got to go see this Batman movie. It's, different and good but good you know kind of a thing but it wasn't uh near i mean it wasn't really the social media age per se other than you know zanga which everybody was on if you weren't uh, still (laughs) on my little small social network which included shane for that like year we were very hyped about it but we were very nerdy and very single and so right uh that that was probably just a weird mic right shane we were really hyped for that I remember yeah. I saw it. I think I saw it with you. Did I see it with you? I saw it with the Brown Boys. So I don't know if you were there. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, I, I think we got so nerdy about seeing Batman Begins. I distinctly remember that, that uh, Blake Brown, who's a, who's a friend of ours from high school and a friend of the show, uh, we, we went and saw it again. There is a there's a closed caption screening that most theaters do towards the middle of the day so that deaf audiences can come and see the movie in theaters where they play English subtitles at the bottom of the mm-hmm. screen. There's one line in Batman Begins that we couldn't understand. So we went back and saw it in the middle of the afternoon. I think we skipped school so that we could see it and then we could read the line on screen and understand <laughs> what the line was. So we paid like $7 to sit through the movie again for essentially four words of dialogue because we couldn't hear it the first time. A lot of people would have been better served seeing The Dark Knight Rises in that same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could definitely oh, hear what was being said. Uh, I could definitely hear it. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm I'm with you guys as far as yeah I just don't really remember Begins uh, coming out um, I think Begins gave us uh, hope that superhero movies could be good again because yeah, we 100%. especially definitely Batman movies but I think superhero movies in general it took it gave a kind of a different tone to that whole universe 
Um, before that, what was the most serious superhero movie that had been made? Uh, Batman Forever, or maybe Tim Burton's Batman was kind of the yeah. darkest, most serious thing. Yeah, and no and question. That, and he, even that is uh, saying something, considering how campy they were. Um, and Schumacher ruined people from Batman for a while, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it was hard for us to kind of adjust. So I think Batman Begins, again, beginning the story, all that, you know, is, is in hindsight genius. But at the time, it's just like, kind of gives us hope for like what this could be, you know? We like Bale, we like this different tone, we like the new Batmobile, we like all that. It still has the campy kind of nature, though, as far as the other two are concerned. It has the most campy feel with the scarecrow and the, you know, the uh, poison and the hallucinogen and the, all that. I mean, that's kind of uh, something right out of a, out of what something Mr. Freeze would do, in my opinion. You know, um, it's uh, so that it kind of loses me in the second part of it, but the setup is great. The first, you know, 40 eight minutes or whatever it is when the lead up to him becoming the bat is, is, uh, what the, the meat of the movie is. It's the point of begins. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan made a good point when he was making the movie and said, there's never really been a definitive account of this story in comics. It's always just been kind of, you know, this thing happens with his child and then he's kind of Batman, you know, like there's never really this, long explanation of like how he becomes the bat, you know, uh, really, especially on film. And so that, that movie established that, but the dark Knight showed us that these movies could be good movies, you know, not necessarily like, Oh, these could be good. Like these are good. And this is is good, you know? Um, so that kind of cemented what we had all hoped and dreamed that a superhero movie could and should be in the back of our mind. Like we didn't know we wanted it until we saw it kind of a thing. Like, Never thought you would uh you you would cast Heath Ledger and it would work until you see mm-hmm. it, you know, kind of a thing. It's just like trust me on this, trust me on this. Like I'm sure that's what he was telling the studio the whole time. Um you, Maggie Gyllenhaal, like Aaron Eckhart, that's kinda of weird too, you know, and uh you know they're in hindsight they're kind of awesome for even doing a second one, you know, after begins because it was so different, you know? The fact that they even went back to the well um, and lo and behold, what they got was what they got. But that's amazing. Um, so I think The Dark Knight, I saw it was 2008, and the same year Iron Man came out. So that's kind of yeah. the, the, the year that we were all like, okay, we're, we, these can be awesome. And we're on board for the next however long it's been since they came out. And we, you know, look at what Marvel's done with their one tentpole that they had that year till now and then look at what dc has done with its you know tentpole of batman till now and it's debatable <laughs> i'll say that <laughs> it's a it's a debate uh we've had on the show actually look it up with shane called marvel versus dc and it was a fun <laughs> time um but that's a that is a conversation that you can listen to uh at another time but um I mean, this is kind of the, the pinnacle. Was the the middle of this Nolan trilogy, and um, we, it, it's nostalgic to talk about, and I love it. But I'm glad we can have them and watch them forever, and talk about them forever, and that's that's great. But uh, the question yeah, think- is, question is Shane, um, to throw to you, yeah, what, yeah. what do they have to do to get to get back to this? You know, uh, what makes it so great? What made these so great? 
Well, I mean, I think one of the things that made the, I think the, like on a general level, I think the importance of this trilogy itself, it, you really can't understate how important this trilogy is, right? Whether you like this trilogy or you don't, uh, I think you can't really deny the fact that it single-handedly saved Batman as a character, right? From the, from the clutches of nipple suited, you know, Joe Schumacher. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I prefer my bat with nipples, but that's But not just, only that, but like, especially <laughs> because of Batman Begins, like, the, like, like doing a Nolan style or doing a like a, a Batman Begins style is almost now a shorthand for like taking a serious and earnest tone to a character, right? How many times have you read a story about like, oh, they're going to make a new X-Man movie or whatever, and it's going to be like a Nolan, you know, Batman Begins style origin right. story or whatever. It's like, right. it's now a shorthand for a way to tell a story, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that based off of looking at this trilogy, and I think, um, what DC probably should be doing is just trusting their filmmakers a little bit more. It seems like all of these DC movies so far have been made by committee where it seems very obvious that for all of these films, Warner Brothers trusted Christopher Nolan to make the movie that he wanted to make. And I think that we'll get into it a little bit later. I think that that worked overwhelmingly, but I think that a couple of times it kind of worked against them, but still overall, you got to take the good with the bad. And I think that Warner Brothers trusted Christopher Nolan to say, Hey guys, I got this. I know the story I want to tell. I can tell it the less interference, the better. Just trust me to do a good job. Right. It's a, you know, it's, it's not a camel. It's not a horse built by committee, right? It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's just kind of a a lean, sleek Ferrari because it's the work of one artist who knows what he wants to do with the story. It's, uh, you know, they hitched their train to Nolan and they were lucky. Uh, now they've hitched their train to Snyder and it's going a different direction. You know, it's like you hitch your train. It's kind of, you're all in at that point, you know, give us what you got and then we'll, we'll reevaluate at the end of the day. But, um, they were they were lucky and and man, you're you're absolutely right on just the impact of the trilogy and how they how they've kind of cookie cuttered this trilogy into what the, how many characters they want to spin off. They they tried to do this exact thing with Spider Man with the Amazing Spider Man. Sony tried to do this. Um, didn't they only got two movies out of that? They didn't even make the third one. Um, so yeah, it it to varying degrees of success for sure. Uh, it has been attempted, but this is the this is the ultimate. So, Batman Begins. Um, man, I, this is just really sets a tone for what we're gonna get with this Batman. Just with the origin story of um, him becoming a street thug and kind of an outcast, you know, at the beginning, which you never really think uh, would be a reality. Like he kind of abandons his identity as Bruce Wayne and becomes this no name just thug for however many years it is. However, how many years it is, is it chain? It's like eight years or something like that. When they, when they flash forward to when he's actually at, uh, like training to be in the league of shadows from when he abandons his identity, you know, it's a long time like that. He's training yeah. and stuff. I don't really think they ever actually name a specific time frame, but it seems like generally in the comics, gen- his parents kind of get murdered somewhere between six to eight, and then he becomes the Batman somewhere in his very late twenties, early thirties. So, so you can kind of imagine he spent at least over a decade abroad training and studying, and you know, learning how to beat people up. <laughs> how did how did um, as far as the telling the origin of the uh, of the Batman, they I don't know how I like in hindsight that they went about it first of all uh your son is deathly afraid of bats right um he's made this pretty clear uh he falls in the well has the experience of the bats 
don't like the bats. Why is it the bats, son? You don't like the bats? Why do you take the kid to a a play featuring bats in the play and then uh, leave the play out a exit? You're the richest people in Gotham. Why are you <laughs> leaving out of the, the janitor's closet exit into the back alley? And it's not, it's no, it's not, not good Wait, at all. His not smart. Die? No. I've never seen that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I thought okay, he was the one that becomes green, right? Is, is that what we're talking about? It's always just been this kind of, uh, and then Alfred's like, "This isn't your fault, son." Yes, it is your fault. You're the one who had to leave the play because you're scared of bats. <laughs> Why are you giving the kid false hope? First of all, anyway, uh, I'm just like. I, that's always been the story of Batman is, just, you, you know, they leave the play and his parents are murdered and it's all this, uh, you know, they did it in Suicide Squad, like hit you over the head with the pearls in Suicide Squad. Uh, but, you know, they it's always been kind of how it is and you just kind of think about it like that doesn't make much sense. But in, in this, they kind of try to explain it or, you know, actually have that as motivation where he's trying to kill his parents, uh, you know, his parents' killer he goes in to kill him and then somebody else kills him. And it's like this, what am I fighting for if I can't kill him? And then it's just like, Rachel's like, what are you doing? You know, uh, that, that all stuff is kind of where he takes liberties with Bruce Wayne and his origin. And that's fine with me. You know, like, uh, the only thing I really had an issue with is, is that is, is the, uh, take your, why do you take your kid to a freaking bat play? Uh, that, that, I don't know if that was Christopher Nolan or if that's the actual origin, but that was kind of like, uh, that's bad parenting. That's just your, yeah, that's just bad. That's bad. It's not good. Um, so, <laughs> um, by the way, Alfred, pretty bad butler in Batman Begins. He leaves several doors open throughout the house. I'd noticed that. You need you to get your act really together, Alfred. Bottle, you know? He's not, he's, he's really more of like a friend. He's a family friend. He's not a butler. He's not like doing much. Kind of in a way yeah. like he can hook up, like he can like arrange to have stuff built for you. But yeah, like he brings him, uh, he brings him tea. He, he brings, brings him, him like trays of stuff. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But like, would it kill you to dust this bookshelf like once? <laughs> Come on. There's a moment in begins where I think he leaves a door open and like bats are flying in the house uh, at one point. Uh, that's what happens, Alfred. That's what happens. You leave the door open. That's fine. The house. Uh, at, where do we fall on him as far as or Michael Caine? As far as uh, Alfred's are concerned, where does he rank? That's Is he the number one? Obviously, Alfred? great number one choice. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's great. Are you like that when they? I remember when they cast Michael Caine. Shane can tell you too, and you can. I guess can they had one acting tape in our high school, like in the library that you could check out. It was Michael Caine teaches acting. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I always oh, yeah. loved Michael Caine, and uh, and so when they when he was Alfred, it's like, oh wow, how has he not been Alfred before? That's such a like incredibly. <laughs> sometimes things just make sense, and he's he delivers. He's he's a wonderful Alfred, I think. Yeah. Oh, I think he's great. He's I mean he's the best Alfred that they've had yet. I mean you know no offense to Jeremy Irons or Michael Go, uh, but I, you know I think that he's he's amazing. I think throughout the course of the trilogy, he shows an absolute dexterity to the to the performance that has been heretofore unparalleled in other Alfreds. He's so long winded at times, though. To it, it's funny. It's like you could ask him, "Hey, Alfred, uh, grab me a bagel." It's like. Let me tell you a story about the time that I was in my father's cottage. He didn't like bagels. He didn't like bagels. You know, it's like, I just get, you know, he's like, yeah, it's, it's always so like, uh, 
like you're sitting down and listening to a story when he talks or something so poetic about Alfred just, Pennyworth. Just the, the Nolan, the tangerine. Yeah, the Nolan Alfred Pennyworth is uh <laughs> is worth is worth checking out. Um I Did I'll, you hear I'll, the story about how when when before he, like uh, Christopher Nolan cast him about how he like he he apparently he just Christopher Nolan showed up unannounced to, to Michael Caine's house and then was like, Hey, I, I wrote a script and I have a role for you. I think you might be interested in it. And Michael Caine was like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I'll just leave the script. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I'll let you know. And Christopher Nolan was like, Nope, Nope, Nope. And like made Michael Caine sit there and read the entire <laughs> Batman Begins script in one sitting. Like, and apparently Michael Caine's wife like made Christopher Nolan tea and they just had a lovely chunk chatting for two and a half hours while he made Michael Caine read the script. And then was like, oh, okay, I guess yeah, sure, I'll be Alfred, whatever. And then Christopher Nolan left, but wouldn't wouldn't leave the script with anybody. Had one copy apparently. Wow, that's crazy. I, I, Him and JJ Abrams, super secretive. It's just handwritten on a yellow legal pad. And there's like a, there's a page in the middle that's KFBR three nine two over and over again. So that was a weird part of the movie. It was actually yeah. called intimidation game to begin like that was yeah. the, that was the actual name of the movie mm-hmm. during production during everything call sheets everything Security title. Yeah. Intimidation yeah, game. Battle. And it was Batman Begins at the end of the day, but I mean who, Intimidation Game, yeah. Oh, I'm Alfred. Okay, yeah. You know, like he not even knowing it was a Batman movie. Still had the castration he, he, scene though. He, <laughs> he he stumbled into uh, now you see me twice. So you never know what can happen to <laughs> Michael Caine these days. I'm just kidding. No, he's uh he's the he's he's the man. What can I say? I, I want a uh, wish list. Uh, Christopher Walken as Alfred. Bruce, <laughs> what are you doing? That's my Michael. That's my Christopher Walken. <laughs> American treasure. Christopher Walken. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, wish list for Alfred. Anybody? Uh, I think Ooh. Patrick Stewart could do it. Oh. Um, hmm. Or Ian McKellen. Both of them would yeah. probably be strong. Uh, there's so many great old English actors that would be. I, I think if you were going to go younger, slightly younger Alfred, someone like Ray Fiennes would be interesting. Mm. Um, well, they mm. kind of hint at it a little bit, I think, in the um, in, in the Batman Superman universe. But in one iteration of the comics, like Alfred isn't really an old British like butler. He's kind of a, just a caretaker, but he used to be like an MI6 agent. Like He used to be like a Bond. So mm. I think that maybe – Codename right Alfred. Light, Right. I mean, kind of like it. So and so he's kind of like this, uh, you know, he's like this awesome fighter and he kind of teaches Bruce Wayne a lot. So I think if it was done correctly with the right tone, there could be a cool universe where like Jason Statham is an Alfred. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what Alfred Pennyworth standalone. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of what Alfred is on that Gotham TV show that I think is awful. But that that's sort of his uh, having watched a season of that. He's sort of a a secret agent sort of guy. He's got a, a dark past and he could definitely, you definitely get the feeling that he could throw down in fisticuffs at any time with any intruders. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the point of the character. If, if, if that show could do literally anything right, from <laughs> shoot a scene to tell a story to deliver a line of dialogue, maybe it would be cool, but uh, I digress. You know what? Actually, Daniel Craig might be cool. If you want to go that route too, he'd yeah. be pretty sweet. Ah. We need to we need to write an Alfred movie. That's what we need to do. It needs to makes you think I haven't written an Alfred oh, trilogy. There is probably Alfred trilogies out there. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> so Batman Begins, Shane. Um, where do you yes. fall on this one uh, as far as uh, likes and dislikes? And if do you dislike it more than the other three? And if you do, why? 
so let me just to give uh, the audience a little bit of context. And I say this without any exaggeration. I'm just stating facts. I have seen Batman begin somewhere in the 40 to 50 viewing range. I have seen The Dark Knight well over 100 times. And I have seen The Dark Knight Rises somewhere in the 60 to 70 range. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I watched them. I actually watched them all today. So um, <laughs> there you go. I would say, as if I needed another excuse. But um, I would say legitimately from a from a filmmaking standpoint, Batman Begins is the best of the trilogy. There are it is such a tight, compact, well-told story for me that I think just from a sheer filmmaking standpoint, it is the best of the trilogy. It's not my favorite. Everybody's favorite is The Dark Knight. But I just think that from a filmmaking standpoint, from the cinematography, where there's really, really gorgeous use of a color palette of like kind of a darkish beige and kind of brown, um, I think that the score, which I want to get into a little bit later, but I think that all of the performances and I think that the themes that they were going for in uh, Batman Begins are they're they're just excellent. You know, I I read once that Christopher Nolan and David Goyer, the guys who wrote the movie, what they wanted to do with this Batman film that they felt hadn't been done before was they wanted to make you care about Bruce Wayne as a character before he ever put on the Batman mask. Right. How many Batman movies? All of them actually start with Batman before you even get to Bruce Wayne. And by the time you get to Bruce Wayne scenes, you're just kind of bored because you're watching him, you know, gamble in his house or, you know, whatever, talk to Nicole Kidman. But by this point, you're you're an hour into the movie before he puts on the Batman mask. And hopefully, at least I think that they accomplish it. But hopefully by the time he puts on the, the costume for the first time, you care about who's underneath the the costume before, you know, before he actually becomes the Batman. And I feel like the movie accomplishes that in spades. Um, so I, I love this film. I think it's great. I do think it's the best one that they've made. But what do you guys think? Like, what are your thoughts on specifically on the Batman Begins? Yeah, Brian. I think that it is easily the best story or the best uh, the way that it is. You're right, Shane. It's a very tightly written script. Um, I think I think Dark Knight is the best film. Uh, I think it's a technique. The Dark Knight is technically a perfect film. It is basically Christopher Nolan. Gosh, this is such a compliment. I, but it's basically Christopher Nolan improving upon a Michael Mann movie, which is like I mean that in the highest regard because Michael oh, yeah. Mann is one of my famous, my, my favorite filmmakers of all time, as is Chris Nolan. But like he kind of, if you take away the comic book slash superhero element of that, and and maybe that's maybe that's too much. But Dark Knight, if you take that kind of uh, the pulpy superhero-ness away from it it is still a perfect movie technically and visually and audio audio logic i don't know the, the sound is incredible and it's it's such a i think that's the the most well-made movie of the bunch but batman begins is is right behind it I, batman begins is the best movie of 2005 i don't think it's i look back at my list today when we were when i was prepping and, and i don't think it's particularly close um and i think it's I would say it's the second best of the series and also my second favorite of the series. But I think I watched the dark Knight so many times right after, uh, I know I saw it three or four times in theater. And then, you know, once it came out on Blu-ray, I've, I've watched it so many times that maybe I think I watched it so many times that I've, I kind of got over it for a bit in terms of wanting to go back and revisit it. And Batman begins is the one that I'm most likely to, 
uh, to go to when it's like, I've got two hours, I'm working, I just want something on that I really enjoy that, uh, that isn't going to distract me too much. I go to Batman Begins before I would go to uh, Dark Knight. It, 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 and there is a, for me, there's like a, a bit of um, sentimentality attached to Batman Begins that I don't quite have for the Dark Knight. And I, and I guess that's just because it's like, I love Batman. It's my favorite superhero. And so, you know, Batman Begins is like this rejuvenation in, in a, almost like a, um, I don't know, like a, a resurrection of that character for me. Because I don't read the comics. Uh, I'm never going to be a comic reader. So like for 10 years, the Batman that I had to hang on to is Batman forever and Batman and Robin, which is just a church. So like Batman begins, um, really brought that love back to me. So I have kind of a nostalgia built into it as well. Yeah. It, um, it's the one that I kind of have to peel back the layers a bit more on. And I think what makes it the most intriguing to me is the league of shadows and that entire, like Bruce Wayne was just born out of just somebody who was just, as tough as nails, you know, and you don't really ever think about that. You always think about, Oh, billion dollar guy. He's kind of built, you know, uh, and he's a, he's got enough to afford a Batman suit. So that's him. Like I, mm-hmm. I never really understood the mythos and how, I mean, all the training sequences and the fact that he uses, I don't know what the, uh, the wrist protectors that he uses like with Ra's al Ghul are like the ones kind of, he kind of adopts in the Batman suit, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like he's, mm-hmm. there's like little explanations for like his, the stuff that he does and why he doesn't use guns and why he can be quote unquote in the shadows so much, you know, as the Batman, like he is in the comics and in uh, you know, you know, I guess kind of uh campily or you know comedically in the in the as it's kind of used as a bit but like why would somebody be lurking in the shadows all the time and how you know he uses that as like you know to his advantage and how that's all explained in the mythology of the the league of shadows and i didn't i didn't know about any of that stuff um so and liam neeson you know wants to top it all off like uh those training sequences are i mean it's it's so it's 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 uh you don't feel like you're watching Batman at that, you know, you, you feel like you're just in a totally n- different world. And that's where it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reality is suspended a little bit during the, that stuff. And, uh, he, d- he doesn't wear the cowl. You're like, wow, I'm enjoying this. And uh, he's not Batman right now. That's, that's an accomplishment. Um, totally. Yeah. But, it's cool. Right. Because it feels Batman again specifically doesn't really feel like a Batman film sure. until all of a sudden it just turns into one. And you're like, Oh, Hey, Batman oh, at the end of this movie, oh, the same yeah. Day, right? Yeah, it, um, it feels like it actually earns it. I also love Lucius Fox and the introduction to that and that whole Wayne Enterprises, you know, funneling money or having the secret weapons division that they've sh- shut down but didn't really shut down, kind of thing. And uh, I love that, and I love the the tumbler and that whole thing. And does it come in black? And that whole, I mean, it's so great, you know, mm-hmm. just the whole setup of. Batman and he pulls out and it's like Kevlar, you know, climbing equipment or whatever that he pulls out and that he uses as his chest protector. And then Batman paints it black, you know, like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, uh, I just loved all that. Like, yeah, for spelunking. And I love the little (laughs) Easter eggs and now he has to find, you know, a way to fly and, and all the, like the electrons align and all that, you know, geeky Batman, like, uh, gadgetry type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just nailed it. No one did on all three of these movies, but, um, 
the first one begins is where they really kind of go ham on the technology aspect. Um, so that's why I like that. But man, the Tumblr reveal, the beginning, I mean, he's ingenious. I'm sure you've seen Shane, like the little documentaries about the Tumblr and, uh, the Batmobile and everything. Um, Oh yes, absolutely. Just his envision. I mean, his vision for the Tumblr is amazing. No one like he, he, I'm sure you've seen it. The little like clay thing he made that's in the shape of the Tumblr. And he's like, this is what it looks like in my mind's eye. He made it out of like modeling clay or whatever. And like they blew it up and like, it's a functioning car and it looks incredible. And it's the best Batmobile ever. You know, Um, he told, he told a production designer who built the Batmobile that he wanted to, essentially he wanted the love child of a Humvee and a Lamborghini. mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the giant tires on the back and the, like uh, the jet engine on the back. And then like the, just the growl that it has is, is awesome. And it's totally authentic. You know, like you can tell that the car is making the noise and it's not cheesy and it didn't feel like a Batmobile. It feels like a tactical vehicle. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like a real, something a real human being would actually like, you could see that in the real world. Oh yeah. Like you could see, uh, I don't know, vigilante have it, but you could see like the mil- like the cops have it for sure. Like the way he, you know, goes under the, uh, I guess it's a trash truck in the dark night, you know, like, uh, just straight underneath it, like a plow almost, you know, and stopping it's, an oncoming car or whatever. It's the exact, it's the antithesis of that ridiculous, like 18 foot long <laughs> bull cart that George Clooney drives in Batman and Robin. Where it's, it doesn't uh, even have a hood. It's, it got, it's, just, a hood. it's just a neon light. Like that's the car. He's, he's, <laughs> he's driving in a fluorescent light. Like that's the, it, it would never, it would never survive a crash of any kind. But they kind mm-hmm. of, Batman's kind of a jerk about it and begins Survivor driving through everything. Left, you know, one or the other, right? Right. You, you could not do any of that, but uh, I just love the Tumblr, and uh, that needs to be stated because it's in all three of these. But they they take some liberties with the vehicles to greater extents later on. But uh, the Tumblr is just solid, classic. Keep it in. Do as much as you can with it, and uh, we're happy. So love that. Um, any thoughts on Begins as far as the uh, villains are concerned? And that I mentioned it earlier, the hallucinogens. My whole thing is like, how do you poison a city's water supply in the hopes that somebody comes along with a vaporizing device that will actually, you know, you know like if it had been in the water, why wasn't it, uh, why wasn't, wasn't anything happening? I don't know. I, well, I think that's part of the plan. Though. Like, it's a, I think it's a twofold plan. We put this in the water supply, then we steal this thing and activate the poison or whatever ah yeah and vaporize the water okay i I think i I think just on the subject of the villains in batman begins i think that's why batman begins kind of gets usually left in the dust a little bit when you're talking about this trilogy is because i think you know as people always say like a batman film is only as good as its villains and i think that especially the dark knight obviously the dark knight and the dark knight rises have these really really flashy villains but i think that batman begins has the villains that kind of challenge batman on a more thematic level and as a result because they're not these big huge flashy heath ledger tom hardy performances people kind of forget about batman begins i think the villains are great they're just not as fun to watch oh, I, as I, they are the Joker i was disappointed Bane, in um I was disappointed in the Dark Knight when the Scarecrow shows up and they're like, that's it, you know, because I liked the character and I liked uh, the performance. I just didn't like the plot of the 
villain, like the hallucinogen thing and just make everybody lose their mind. I, I understand like the thematic significance of it. I just don't know. Just compared to the Joker, which is just, I'm killing everybody and as much people as I can. Like yeah. that was his plot, you know? Right. And that's what totally. made it so scary. Cause it was so realistic. Like he was just a terrorist, you know? And he was right. going to kill everybody as much as he could, you know? Um, well, this one was just think, too complex, and it's like uh, it's it just suspends reality for me a little bit, and that's that's why I, I love I love the I love Killian Murphy in this universe and in Nolan's universe and all that. Um, and Oddly I, enough, I you know he was character Batman. design of this. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I would have I would have bought in. I mean, him or Pacey were the second two choices. Yeah, Joshua was- Jackson. And Gyllenhaal, too. Yeah. Yeah. But there's actually footage on the Dark Knight, like the box set. There's footage of Christian Bale and Killian Murphy wearing the Val Kilmer Batman suit, like doing their audition. So you can actually watch Killian Murphy almost do a Batman thing <laughs> in the suit. It's kind of weird. Wow. I can't imagine if it was Josh Jackson. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird turn. And it? it's a little bit of a different movie, I think. <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah. offense to Pacey, who I actually think is very talented, but I'm not sure he's this. I don't know. Yeah, he's not Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. He's what? never once yelled at a cameraman for being in the wrong place. So like, I just, like, I don't know. That's like if John <laughs> you found out John Hamm was almost Lincoln and you're like, oh, I like John Hamm, but he's not Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's uh yeah, no, the, I love Murphy in these this too yeah it was, this was like his consolation role but he's perfect in it and Scarecrow yes. was really I thought Scarecrow was scarier than Joker um you know in terms of the way they affect his voice and the vibration in mm-hmm. the theater the first time that got me to jump a few times it was awesome mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's done well um Murphy also great in Inception too another Nolan flick underrated actor like he needs to be in more. I mean, I don't think he wants to be in more stuff. He seems like that type of guy that kind of just wants to uh, stay on the fringe. But he is an increase. So good. He's so talented. And I think more versatile than maybe we give him credit for. Oh, yeah. And he gets the privilege of he gets to come back in each of these movies. Right. Because he yeah. gets his little cameo in the Dark Knight and he gets it again in the Dark Knight Rises. So good for him. And uh, he's in Dunkirk, too, which is coming out this year. So yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah, buddy. With the. Nolan at the helm. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on begins other than it kind of begins everything. I just love the setup and, uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely, uh, gives you, uh, the dark gritty kind of, uh, punch you in the face style of Batman that we're going to get, uh, mm-hmm. over the next couple films. And, uh, that's all done before again, that he wears the yeah. cow. So that's all good. I think I, one of the things I really enjoy about the movie on, you know, 400th viewing is I, I think it's cool to see Batman. This is something that Ariel touched on in our newsletter uh, this this week. I think it's cool to see Batman fight someone that's not uh, a supervillain. Like, it's really cool to see him take on the mafia for a short period of time. And then, you know, we move on to the League of Shadows, which yeah, is cool, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's a yeah, thug it, for a while. It, it's he's such just... a cool... Yeah, it's a different element than you get in almost... Uh, for me, at least as a film-only Batman mm-hmm. viewer and TV show, you don't ever really see that any any other place. And I think that's a a cool addition to the Batman in film mythos, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I think um, 
you know, one of the one of the things that I like so so much about this is essentially just that. Um, oh boy, forgive me, I just lost my train of thought for a second. What did you just say, Brian? Uh, about him fighting the mafia and stuff. Oh, right. Of course. Is that each of these villains, like as they kind of escalate through the series, is that they kind of challenge Bruce Wayne and or Batman on a thematic level. Yeah. I think what they are trying to do in this one is really challenge, since he's just getting started, what is the nature of being a hero, right? And I think that especially Ra's al Ghul challenges him on what does it take to sacrifice you know, do you do you fight the good fight, even though, you know, it might lose, even though, you know, you're wrong? What does it mean to be a hero and why do you fight for what you do? Right. And I think that's what makes this film so good to me is that it works so on the thematic level, even though both, you know, Killian Murphy and uh, Razal or Liam Neeson don't have the most like flashy performances. Yeah, he um, he uh, really kind of hammers home with with Bruce and Batman, the fact that. As a symbol, you can be any. You can be bigger than a person, you know. Um, right. And that's his kind of discovery in the first one. Is that uh, I need to pick a symbol that uh, you know, even if I'm gone, the symbol will live on, and what it stands for will live on. You know, uh, that was kind of the whole. And he reiterates that in the Dark Knight Rises, for sure. Uh, but that was kind of his self discovery of the first movie, and. I like that too. That's something you never really think about is why he chose the Batman symbol and everything, you know, the logo. And I mean, it was all thought out by him to be a symbol, you know, and for good or justice or whatever. And so there, there again, some more Easter egg kind of fun stuff, uh, explanation Mm -hmm. that no one likes to throw in. And And he makes it mean something to the character too. Um, okay. So I guess the dark Knight. Uh, where do we start with this? I don't know. Where should we start, Shane? <laughs> well, I mean, where, where to start? I mean, again, we talked about all of these films kind of being a cultural touchstone, but if you really want to break it down, this is the movie that I think if you are between a certain age, you absolutely remember where you were when you saw this film or when you first heard about it or, yeah. you know, and you, you just kind of remember it uh, so vividly. Um, and I, I think that especially for folks like us who are very active on the internet and, and, and uh, when it comes to, to reading movie news and making conclusions about movies before and even after, I think this all taught us a very valuable lesson because I was absolutely towards the forefront of the performance of like, really, we got the guy from a knight's tale to be the Joker. Like we could have gotten anybody else. Yeah. And then I just so distinctly remember sitting in the theater and just my opinion, just my brain just being blown away at how good Heath Ledger was in mm-hmm. this film. Um, I think if nothing else, this film teaches people to, to give everybody a chance, right? Let's see what you can do first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're being nice. I, I mean, when I guess I was probably 25 when this movie came out. So I've been 24. So when, when, uh, the casting was announced and I was pissed. Like, I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? I, I think this so is a, tr- man, you, you were way ahead of me. I would, I straight up said like, this is a, this is awful decision. I don't, I don't get this at all. And I'm an idiot. I'm so wrong. But that was a, I mean, I, I very vividly remember just being really angry about, uh, about his casting. I thought it was awful. There was a lot of Johnny Depp rumors before. Remember? Yeah, uh, before they and I think a lot of people were bummed it wasn't Johnny Depp, which in retrospect, right at a time uh, when we actually wanted that. Yeah, yeah, I know. But he, <laughs> yeah. the Joker suit is cool, but you know the little pocket square that could be a <laughs> scarf. Just throwing it out there. Right. 
Now I would pay to see Johnny Depp night not in white face paint anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. I yes, think it really he needs the money too, so maybe we get that GoFundMe going. Never wear white face paint again. <laughs> it, it really all starts though, honestly, with that beginning scene. I mean, it, it throws incredible. you right yeah. into the action, right into the middle of a bank robbery with clowns who people are already terrified of. And I think the you know the design on just the clown masks and costuming there is so effective and kind of scary, you know, at the beginning when they're just bombarding the bank and shooting everybody, you're like, wow, is this a Batman movie or am I watching again, a Michael Mann movie or something? Um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, tidbit, Kent, the, yeah. the mask that Heath Ledger wears or the, the Joker wears in that scene is an exact replica of in the 1966 Batman television show. The very first episode where you see Cesar Romero's Joker, he has like hijacked, like he like knocked out an Oscar, like an opera performer mm-hmm. and he's singing an opera on television and he's wearing that exact mask and he rips Whoa. it off and it's revealed that it's the Joker, but it's that exact same mask. So I guess that Nolan wanted to pay a little homage yeah. to the 60s television that ex- show. That explains kind of the timeless creepiness of it, I guess. You know, because yes, <laughs> it absolutely. was an actual clown mask. Um, wow. In- interesting. But um, I think it, it all starts there. And for me as the viewer, that's where I was. I mean, that's where everybody kind of meets the Joker. But that's I, I vividly remember that in the theater when he takes off the mask and you see his paint painted face or whatever. You're just like, oh. You're blown away because you see him commit all these heinous acts before that. You don't know who it is, you know. Um, The bus coming through the wall blew me away. I didn't expect that for the first time. Um, The fact that each clown is killing the next clown, you know, like to eliminate the amount of people that are going to share the money. I didn't ever Mm -hmm. think about that during these types of operations, but it's probably something that would actually happen, like the sad reality of it, you know. Is that uh, they're just going to kill everybody, and the, only the only one guy is going to get all the money, yeah. um, except for us. That's how we fund the podcast: is our bank heist, and we've, right. we've never killed each other yet. <laughs> and the fact that uh, what I love, uh, uh, just I noticed on the second or this last viewing, um, when he says, "No, no, no, I kill the bus driver," and he goes, "The bus driver," and then the bus yeah. comes in and hits in, and then the door opens and the bus driver comes out and he's like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And you know that he's about to die. You know, I just never, I just never realized that he says he's about to kill the guy. And then you're just, the bus driver comes out and he's like, Hey, how much money we got? And then he just, the Joker turns his head and just shoots him without even looking, you know, like it's no big deal Mm -hmm. at all. And that's your first intro to him. The, uh, the terrifying part of the Joker is great. And you, you're totally mesmerized and, uh, and scared of him when you meet him in the bank, but then when you meet him next with all the other gangsters mm-hmm. is to me, that's when I realized like, Oh, Ledger's really, I had faith. I like Ledger a lot. I've always been a Ledger guy. Um, and so I was excited for his casting, but I still was kind of unsure on what kind of villain he'd be. When you see him in the scene with all the other criminals and he's totally charismatic and he's got, yeah, ah, 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 and he's funny. Like the Joker mm-hmm. should be funny, but in a really creepy menacing new way. That's when I was like, oh, he's got this. He's going to kill this. If you're good at something, um, never do it for free and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, the, as scary as he was, being able to see him do the scary with the the counterbalance of just the super charming, outsmarting everyone kind of thing. was Make a pen disappear. Coolest. Make a pencil disappear yeah, or whatever. That, that was where I was that, just like, oh, my. Our what? theater applauded yeah. <laughs> that. 
Remember that Shane? Like they went nuts for that. Well, not only do they did they go nuts, but what I loved is the immediate second part of the reaction was people laughed and applauded, and then they, and then it got quiet really fast. Like, yeah. ooh, that was kind of like, why did we laugh at that? That's kind of morose, yeah. you know. When people felt guilty about it all of a sudden. Yeah, that scene where he's talking to the gangsters is still my favorite scene in that movie. His performance, it's a virtuoso performance in four minutes or whatever. You know, where he when he when he whips out and he's he's covered in grenades and like everybody panics. It's a, that's a, such a great scene. I think so too. But can you put somebody's skull through a eraser end of a uh, pencil? I'd, I'd rather not find out. I'd rather not find out. That's funny. Uh meanwhile. Uh, on the Batman side of things, we have uh, which one's he again? Bruce Wayne. <laughs> we oh, have okay. uh, we have many Batmans. Speaking of uh, people, oh, I love yeah. this idea of the copycat Batmans out there, and everyone's yeah. just dressing like Batman and just shooting up people. And you know, wearing hockey pads. That that whole the intro to Batman again is awesome. With the tumbler just you know, uh, I guess busts through the parking garage or the eighth floor of the parking garage or wherever they were. I don't know how he got up there without anyone noticing. He was maybe just parked up there waiting for because he's Batman. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. first frame you see him, he elbows somebody in the face and then bends a gun with his pants. <laughs> like, yes. He that's does. awesome. <laughs> he, he, he does bend the barrel of a gun. I'm th- for those of you that have come to our live shows, anyway. that's how I enter too. <laughs> that's Richard's actually trademark. Uh, Patent pending. Um, it, it it's funny. It's disappointing that he didn't shoot the gun after it was bent. And oh, oh, you know, like back to his face. You know, the old twisteroo trick. Uh, that <laughs> that would have been some campy Batman. So that was that'd be a nod to the '60s TV show. Um, but so as far as uh him jumping on the car is awesome. I mean, I'm just remembering every little moment in yeah. these scenes and. You know, when he jumps down the, uh, I guess he jumps onto the van. That's the scarecrow is driving it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, what's the difference between you and me? I'm not wearing hockey pads. Um, greatness. And then we come back to the Joker, and that's the actual scene with the, uh, um, with the gangsters, um, if I'm remembering correctly. So, um, as like I said, as far as the Joker's kind of uh motivation there is no motivation he just wants to see the world burn and that's kind of the uh antithesis or the 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 thesis if you will of uh the the plot of this is just you know there's always going to be evil doers out there can't really do anything about them except try to stop them when you can you know um that's kind of the most terrifying thing about all this if we're being really honest why aren't there more vigilantes? Why are there so many more terrorists, but not 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 a lot of copycat billionaire Batman's out there? How many Step billionaires? Up, Bill Gates, let's how do many this. billionaires are there in the world, and how many aren't Batman? Like that one. First thing I would do <laughs> if I was a billionaire is become Batman. Like what? What are they doing? <laughs> I can't. I think the answer to your question is too many and not enough. He only. Uh, they, they, he said the tumbler only costs like a hundred couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that yeah you know? if, if memory serves forbes i think forbes did a when batman begins came out forbes did a uh an article kind of trying to chalk up how much it would cost 
to be, to start up your own Batman essentially, and it was only like three or four million dollars. Like it wasn't in the billions. You could you could pull it off if you're a a a, a fairly wealthy multimillionaire. You have the means. You just don't have the desire, and you're a bunch of losers. But I'd say this so. is what Mashable did an infographic, and their their sum. This is as of 2012. Was it would cost six hundred eighty-two million dollars to legitimately be, Bat- okay. be Batman in all his form in all the movies? <laughs> so that's Don't less change. than a billion. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Come like, on, why would be Batman? What? <laughs> that's messed up when you think about it. Seriously, messed <laughs> up. Um, what else we got here? We have uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and I just like to say Katie Holmes' face melted between movies and <laughs> had to just cast Maggie. <laughs> Ooh. I guess uh, Heath Ledger's got a thing for uh, Gyllenhaal's, though, right? Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, 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 of Brokeback Mountain, you get it. You can't see my face, but I'm I'm sad at okay. you. <laughs> All right. Well, same, I wish I knew how to quit you, though. Same question to you. Uh, what makes uh, the Dark Knight so great? Besides Heath Ledger, I guess. I mean, for me, I think, to, well, to, sorry, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, go ahead, Richard. Oh, no, I was going to say, to me, it just comes down to pace, pace, pace. It is, mm-hmm. for the minute it starts, it's just in full 10 mode and it doesn't relent. That's what holds, to me, it sets it apart from everything else. There's not a lull. It never stops. There's not a scene. There's not a frame wasted. It's perfectly efficient. It's a perfectly efficient blockbuster, which is rare. Yeah, that's, go ahead, Shane. Oh, no, I was what I was going to say was just to build on what Brian was talking about earlier, where I think that if anything, you can kind of tell that that Christopher Nolan was kind of dipping his toe in the water a little bit with Batman Begins. But I think with the Dark Knight, it's very definitively. Oh, yeah. No, guys, I've got this. Like, this is a Batman story that I'm going to tell you. And there's it reeks of confidence throughout the entire film. It doesn't feel unsure of itself or wishy washy. It feels mm-hmm. like from the second that movie starts with that bank robbery heist till the very end of the film, it's just, it's nonstop and it's full of confidence from its, its author, which, you know, was Nolan, I suppose. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so great is it doesn't, it doesn't ever feel like it misses a step because it's just so it's a tour de force all the way through. Yeah. And somebody we haven't even mentioned, believe it or not. And there's a big player here is Gary Oldman as Gordon. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Series MVP. So He's like yeah. the real MVP of this movie. He's great. He's great in everything he does. Gary Oldman is, the, I don't know, maybe probably the best actor of his generation or, or very close, if not. Uh, and he, what I like about Gary Oldman is that he'll come, he, he's kind, this is kind of slumming it in a way. And he, he takes this role. And I think this is, you know, Christopher Nolan doing this quite on purpose to uh, take a character that is very easily um, overshadowed by everything that's happening, let alone all the other great characters on on the the screen, and you give it to Gary Oldman, and suddenly Jim Gordon becomes um, very. It's not just that his character is central; it's that his performance is uh, very key to to how all these other things, all these other uh, other actors and other characters work on the screen. You know, he doesn't really interact with Joker in Dark Knight, but. It's his interactions with uh, with Harvey Dent that sell that aspect of the film, and it's his interactions with Batman and Batman Begins that 
that get it going. And it's his interactions with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Dark Knight Rises that push that plot forward. And, you know, for a long time, that is the plot on Batman because or on Dark Knight Rises because Batman is gone. So, like, I mean, that is sort of an underrated, really difficult job that um, I think a I think I guess I think in a in the hands of a lesser director, you probably save a little money and save a little casting spot for a I don't know a B range actor and instead he gets an A plus actor and that in various parts of the very important parts of these movies that that sa- and I don't want to saves it but it makes that part of the movie happen right and that's that's something I mean that's 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 brilliant film filmmaking and then uh, allowing an actor to be his brilliant self and it's also just understanding how important the character is of Jim Gordon as well. I mean, when you go back and you look at the the Tim Burton, the Batman movies and the Joel Schumacher movies, I believe, and I do forget his name, I think it's Jim something or another, but they have the same, it's this portly gentleman with a mustache that plays yeah. Mission Gordon all the way through. What a joke of a character he is because they, they, they kind of write that character off as kind of a buffoon police chief. But I think that one of the things that Nolan very successfully did was realize, hey, this is a crucial character and what potent rich material we can get from this relationship between the two of them if we actually treat this character with a little weight and a little heft. And uh, I love the fact that they make him commissioner in here. Like, you see how he becomes commissioner. Like, it's because yeah. quote-unquote caught the Joker or whatever, you know? Um, that's mm-hmm. a cool explanation. And again, like, hey, we could tell a story here. We should probably do that at some point. I like that. Yeah. Um, as far as we mentioned earlier, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. Where is Harvey? Um, <laughs> they, they, I don't want to say the majority of the film revolves around him, but a great chunk of it does, you know, when you think about it. Um, at least a third of it. You want to think about this movie and think of, uh, and think of the Joker and Batman, but there's a lot of Harvey Dent in this, in the dark night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Eckhart nails it. <laughs> uh, this, yeah. this, oh, yeah. I would say the, the dark night, what it does have going for it above the other two, it has the best ensemble of yes. any of the three. Um, and it has the best supporting cast and the best kind of letting the supporting cast support themselves or actually have roles and not just being a supporting cast to a Batman. Um, you almost forget, you know, I, you're so caught up in the uh, Rachel uh, Harvey Dent stuff that you forget about his, you know, Rachel's relationship with Bruce, you know, and uh, you kind of want that to work out, you know, <laughs> be like, oh, I forgot about Bruce, you know, no, oh, we want Bruce, you know, and it's uh, conflicting, but it also works uh, in a lot of ways. And it, it, I'll be honest, like the first time, I don't know if I, like, it totally registered to me when I, that he was going to become two face, you know, like until like, just, I, I don't know if I remembered Harvey Dent, the name, like that was who became two face. You know what I mean? Because I guess in, uh, in Batman forever, he's just two face. And then he's Harvey Dent. I mean, they, they explain it later, but like he, um, I never really made the connection and he never becomes two face in the, the, uh, Burton series, you know, uh, uh, at least, uh, Billy D Williams doesn't. So it's, it's def it's definitely, different you know mm-hmm. um and uh i guess that's kind of why i liked it. i just didn't think that they were going to go that because you can only go realistic with two-face like you can't 
do what you did in Batman Forever and have to, like, make up, like, this movie was real, you know? Like, how could they do that? Oh, no, yeah, they're gonna, yeah, they're, oh, yeah, they're gonna burn half his face, yep, and they're gonna show it, you know? (laughs) The fact that they got away with a PG-13 on this is still kind of, in hindsight, like, wow, you know? Like, with all the murder and, like, the just the gore, just that aspect of showing Harvey Dent's half-burnt face for, you know, whatever... 10 minutes of screen time or whatever you see it is, is a lot. And it's hard to look at, you know, it really is It's a pretty gruesome, gruesome visage. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy. But what did you guys think of Harvey? I mean, he's only in this movie, so really that's it. I mean, only significantly, uh, as far as mentions and all that is concerned. So, uh, I thought he nailed it. That's my, he gets my Mm -hmm. vote. Yeah. Yeah, it's his best performance. Like he's a he's an interesting actor because he'll kind of do. Uh, he he was gets great. like thank you for smoking too. Yeah, he's very. good. That's what I was thinking too, Richard. His, I was like, man, he's his good action that. roles are are very uh, kind of C team movies. You know, it's like well, we couldn't get um, any of the actors that you want to see, so we got Aaron Eckhart. Is that cool? And so, <laughs> but he's but that kind of belies his talent, and I think it's on full display. Uh, in, in Dark Knight, like he he really he does a great job of playing both sides of that of that character of being of the coin. Ah. Yeah. Hey, uh, of being <laughs> of being Harvey Dent pre two face injury and then uh, and then being two face. It's it's a really that's a difficult task. He, and he does it very well. He's, he's great in that movie. And my God, what a jaw. Oh yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm. I'm most confused about when when Harvey Dent comes forward as the Batman, and everyone's like, "Okay, he's a Batman." How did they not just look at his chin and be like, "Nope, definitely not," because that we would notice if Batman had that chin, and he doesn't have that. You know what I mean? Like, no, this the this you know the cutting jawline and the butt chin. Yeah, it's like both of the things. Like, yeah, that's not no, no. I I this is kind of. I don't know. You never think about it in these movies because they're, you know, well-made and you don't think about these kind of things. But, uh, you know, in Superman where, oh, it's Clark Kent. We don't, we can't, we don't know who Clark Kent is. Superman, totally different, you know, like, it's just the glasses, the the whole thing. The fact that nobody ever recognizes Bruce Wayne in all of these, and it's just tough. You know what I mean? Like, uh, especially Gordon. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's, I tell you what, dude. Let's put a pin in that conversation because I definitely want to get into that conversation in the Dark Knight Rises. Okay. We'll get to that point. Okay. Yeah, I have a thought about that too. So, I mean, um, should I bring it up now? I guess I should. Um, Batman voice, guys. Batman voice. <laughs> Why does he use a Batman voice? I kind of maybe to disguise his voice. I understand that. But the backstory, the backstory to the voice, from what I understand, was that it was a complete Christian Bale invention. I guess during the uh, the um, audition that he had, he put on the suit, and instead of feeling empowered, he felt kind of ridiculous, and he didn't want to use his regular accent. So just kind of on the spot, he kind of came up with a grovelly type growl, yell thing that he does throughout the movie. Christopher Nolan had never even considered that before, but the minute Christian Bale did it, he was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I guess it's stuck in Nolan's, you know, it kind of just stuck in his mind of, hey, I think this is what we're going to do. I get it. I like it. But at the same time, I completely understand it. it's ripe for parody, right? It's one of those things that it's, it's yes. fun to say something stupid like, let me order some cheese fries, you know, or whatever. Right. Like, it's fun to make fun of it at the same time. I think it, it's a, it goes both ways. 
I'm a hundred percent with you, Shane. I think it's like, it's easy to make fun of and that's fine. I have no problem with it, but I never have a problem with it in the movie. And I actually think it, I've always felt like it fits the character pretty well. So I, I've never, I've never had an issue with the, the Batman voice. So I, man, there's, there's some like pretty intimate dialogue scenes between Gordon and Batman. You don't have to be like, you know, it's fine for some situations. Like I'm not wearing hockey pants, you know, uh, and where's the trigger and like all that. It stuff tur- turns fine. out you can't say ordinary citizen while you're screaming and growling at the same time. But like you're in a hospital bed with Gordon and uh, you know what I mean? Or, or it's just like, there's some situations that like, uh, it, it needed to be not Batman voice, you know, it's just kind of, oh. and the vo- voice. Yeah. I don't know. And, and he's, Talking in Batman voice to people that know he's Bruce Wayne and Batman too, and I don't. It's like, you know, like is it just because he's in the costume that he has to, like, he's automatically talking like that, or is it does, does he only talk like that around people that he knows a, that he doesn't know a Bruce speaker. Wayne, or that he thinks people think he's Bruce Wayne? It's this really confusing kind of like, like, oh, that sounds cool, so keep costume? doing it, but he doesn't. But he loses track of like who knows he's you know what a bruce wayne and not and so oh, it's because he he definitely does it a number of times when clearly there's only two people within a 10 mile radius and they know he's batman and yeah. he's still doing the voice <laughs> yes exactly uh i think there's weird. a uh like a voice box on the suit isn't there that also help like well like, that's what they did in batman superman which i thought was kind of brilliant because I, I love the idea of the fact that he's not just growling with his voice he just has like a little computer chip on his adam's apple that turns him from mike tyson to barry white you know what i mean kind of that uh-huh. little drop yeah. or whatever but i think in in this universe it's just clear that christian bale's just doing it himself okay. I don't, see they i don't really ever told suggest. me a long time ago that there's a voice box on the suit and that's why it does it but i you would know so I, I think in this, it's just like when he puts on the mask, no one cared who I was. So I put on the mask, you know, uh, it's just like he becomes a different person and that's reflected in his voice. But then you're wondering, like, why is he doing it in this intimate moment? And he's like, oh, it's because he's disguising his voice. But then if he's doing it to disguise his voice, why is he doing it around people who he knows or Bruce Wayne, like Alfred and people like oh, Lucius and like, oh, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't I don't know. I don't, I can't explain it. I just, you got to be on board or not. And I'm, I'm probably 91% of the way on board. There's like a 9% where I'm just like, yeah, could I use just normal, like not Bruce Wayne voice, like something between growly Batman voice and normal Bruce Wayne. But you know what I mean? Like a, a happy medium is what I'm looking for. I need a happy medium voice and we never, never got it. That's fine. Uh, we had more than enough Bane to go around. So. Uh, I, I guess uh, the complaint for the Dark Knight might be that it's too long, but I think uh, if it's uh, if it's good, I can take too I can take a long movie if it's a good movie. You know, that's always been my kind of mentality on it. I'll watch a four hour movie if it's all good. You know, I wanted yeah a lot yeah. of movies to be longer this year that were shorter, and that's fine. Um, the kind of, would it, you say it kind of drags towards the end? Um, I love all the hospital stuff, though. I love the two-face stuff. I love the decision that, first of all, the Joker's plan is ridiculous. We need to say that. The the, you know the the whole cell phone. I need my phone call. It it makes for a great scene with the interrogation and that whole setup. And you know he wanted to be trapped and all that. But I mean, logistically, it makes no 
no sense or whatever uh with the timers and all that how how could he ever know when it you know it's just it makes no sense uh well i think i think that's fine if i may well i think though if i may when you rewatch it as many times as i have i think that that's kind of what makes it brilliant is that he keeps saying that he's like a dog chasing cars and he has no plan but that's nonsense. That dude clearly has a plan mm-hmm. and he's planned it out to the T. Like he absolutely is knows what exactly what he's doing, but he's just pretending to not know what he's doing. And I think that's what makes him so kind of terrifying is that it's this crazy misdirect of like, look at my wacky green hair and my white face. But clearly I'm actually a psychopath that has this all planned out to the T. Yeah. If he was a real psychopath, here's what he would have done. All right. But you put Harvey Dent and Rachel on separate timers, one that goes off whenever Harvey Dent, whenever he tells Batman to go, gives him the address, doesn't tell him which one it is, he knows it's Harvey Dent, he goes to Harvey Dent, that explodes, he can't save Harvey Dent, oh my god, Harvey's dead, better go find Rachel. Right when he gets to Rachel, she explodes, so that he sees the death of both his friends. That would have been more messed up. (laughs) There's a lot of holes in this Joker's plot. I can be a lot more twisted than you, Joker. Just kidding. Um, it's uh, I just didn't like the whole time. Like, how did he know the t- the, the timers on the uh, on the stuff? Like, how did Bat he know Batman was going to get there? Or the time, I, I just it's just if it wasn't like a clock countdown type thing, I think I would be a lot more believable. Or if it was just like, oh, they're there are bombs that are going to explode, but you know, like that, that that's going to the suspension of disbelief, but that makes up for it with the planning of the cell phone inside the guy. And then that exploding like suicide bomber style. And that was cool. And how he's the only one left and he's like standing in there. And then he, yeah. Oh, awesome. But, um, into the movie going to the d- other kind of decision to save like one or the other. That's always, that's kind of the Joker's thing, you know? Um, Mm-hmm. choose who you will serve if you will. So um, that's where it kind of gets along for people. That's what I was going to say is that last kind of plot point. But I, the more I kind of revisit it, the more I like it. The, yeah. the humans and the boats and uh, the thugs and the other boats and uh, them having to decide whose lives are worth more and all that. Uh, I love it. I love that stuff. Yeah, I do too. And it, I mean, it's like, it's less exciting than the opening sequence and certainly less exciting than the car chase, which is phenomenal. I don't, I don't know sure if we touched on that or not, but that's an incredible sequence yeah. uh, of shooting and, and the way it's structured and whatnot. It's just unbelievable, but it's still very good. I don't have a problem. Like, I think it has the perfect runtime. I, it doesn't, it's never bothered me at all. Two hours, 32 minutes is the exact runtime. So, yeah, it feels like an hour to me. Like, I don't think there's any fat in this movie. There's definitely mm-hmm. fat in, in Dark Knight Rises for sure. But in Dark Knight, I think it is. And I don't like long movies, but to me, that's a perfect, perfect, uh, perfect runtime for it. And the, I remember no, the movie accelerated the whole time. The movie doesn't drag at all for me in any way. And especially the ending, once again, like we talked about, it works on a very thematic level, right? Which is how how far are you willing to go to, to be a hero? How, do you want to sacrifice yourself or do you want to keep your reputation? The only question that I have, and I, I legitimately have it for all three of you guys, because you are obviously all way smarter than me. I might know more about Batman than you, but you know about how the world works. I'm fairly convinced that just because 
you you do something bad today doesn't undo everything bad that you've done. Like the, they're so freaked out about like, oh, people can't know that Harvey Dent killed somebody because it'll undo all the criminals he put in jail. Like I'm pretty sure I'm just I'm pretty sure that if George W. Bush murdered somebody tomorrow, they don't just go back and undo the things that he did during the <laughs> years of his presidency. That's not the, that's not how it works. You don't negate you know what I mean? it. All. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't just they don't just rip it up from the ground up or whatever. Like that's that's such a weird notion to me. I don't am I missing something? I mean, that's yeah. a very uh, like that's OJ. A real... <laughs> that's true. OJ had a uh, lot of rushing yards. Yeah, we don't ever talk about 2000 yards. Uh <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a real thing when it comes to uh like corrupt judges or corrupt police officers or mo- more frequently you get like a somebody who is either corrupt or negligent in like a testing lab or something yeah. like that. If you ever um, run that prison, that like throw, yeah, exactly. That throws out pretty, that can at least throw out every, like every case that that uh, person has come in contact with. I think it's definitely played up for, for movie and, and then tied into something that's more important to me has always been the, like of the two parts is the much more important part is like Gotham city really needs Harvey Dent to be, he, they needed him to be the savior, and if he's not, if he can't be that, then they need him to be a martyr at this point. And so, yeah, they need him as a symbol, right? That triumph for me that trumps over the idea, like the the, the fairly vague idea that, like, man, if they find out he turned into Two Face, then all these gangsters are getting straight out onto the street. I, you know, I don't know that that's um, <laughs> realistic, nor is it the, to me the main focus of what Commissioner Gordon is doing at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Har- Harvey just wanted to die hero. You know, didn't want to live long enough to see himself become the villain. You know, that's right. That's, it. that's never what I want to do. Just All like right. Jay-Z said. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hit a, a, we need to take a break. We haven't had a break yet. Let's hit a break and then come back and talk The Dark Knight Rises for a bit. All right. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. 
So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so here we go. The Dark Knight Rises. Um, for me, it's kind of simple. Bane. Uh, hate Bane. D- didn't like Bane. Didn't like it. I, I mean, I, that's better than Bane. Now, um, it's uh, I mean, I want to say it's the voice, but it's more than the voice. Uh, I don't like the character much. Uh, don't necessarily agree with uh, just make let's just do the opposite of the Joker, which is kind of Bane, uh, as far as like a psychological villain versus a purely physical villain for Batman. Um, change for change's sake is not necessarily always the best choice. Um, and speaking of the voice, uh, get it out of the way. Uh, it's not my issue with the voice per se, or the mask, or the way the accent is, or anything like that, or the overall tone or timbre. It's the mix of the voice is just so overbearing that like I, I don't understand how it even passed through you know the studio system like I'm I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm just constantly adjusting the volume up and down. Like when Bane's talking I literally have to have my thumb on the volume to turn it down. Like it's because like Either they may, might have listened to the fanboys too much when they were the trailer came out. And they're like, I can't hear Bane. Okay, guys, what well, we just need to crank Bane to fourteen on you know the one to ten, and it doesn't work. Like, it it's so obvious that it's not there. You know, it's so obvious that it's either ADR later or it's going through some kind of device that's just like. It, it, it's in the plane scene, the very opening of Bane in the plane scene. Everyone on the plane and it sounds great. And then Bane starts talking. You're like, where is that coming from? Is that, is he on the PA? You know, like what? And then it just never kind of stops. And it just takes me out of it so much throughout the movie. Um, like, it it just takes me, it just takes me out of like, I, I I just don't have, I just don't have those feet, you know, where I'm following the character. I'm, I'm into the, the story of the character and I'm just like, Oh my God. You know, it's just so jarring. Like so, so many, times and i i wish it wasn't like that because i know what they were going for it's just like it just i hate that that it's like that for me you know it it just ah, it's a bummer i can't unhear it you know like type of thing you know it's a it's hard but well and it absolutely is a reaction too i remember did any did any of you guys also go see the that when they did the prologue sequence in imax for when mission impossible 4 came out they played that plane sequence yeah Mm-hmm. Um, when you saw that, I was, I mean, I'm a huge Batman fan. I, there is no person in the world that wanted to understand what Bane was saying more than me. And I just could not understand it. And when the movie came out a couple of months later, he was easy enough to understand. So there was absolutely a, they went back and they, the compensation, dialogue right. or yeah, it, and the it compens- compensated too compensation much. Compensation was, <laughs> let's just turn it up as loud as we possibly can. Yeah. And it was, it's yeah. like, it take it's like. It's so tacked on, and the fact that you can't see his lips moving make it even worse, because sometimes they can just get away with so much more with changing the dialogue around to where he's like, not even, you can tell he's not saying what he's saying, that what you're hearing. You know what I mean? It's so many 
parts of it. It's just like, oh, it, it just bums me out. It's just such a letdown. You know, as far as what I wanted the villain of this to be and what it was was just like could not have been the polar op- the more opposite. You know what I mean? Like I guess mm-hmm. I mean you build it up so much in your head is you can only do better from if you're gonna make a third one, it's gotta be better. Like why would you do it another one, you know? Um it wasn't at all. Um it, the stuff that I do think works is the Catwoman stuff. I think uh the Selena Kyle aspect of it uh is interesting and fun. Um I don't know how I feel about Bruce Wayne being, you know, uh, kind of putting himself back together. Like, why didn't you just put that knee brace on to begin with at the beginning? Because it, it just magically fixed him and it allowed him to become the Batman. So, hey, why wasn't Batman wearing knee braces this whole time? If he, you know, what you <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have had the knee, no cartilage in your knee or whatever. By the way, Tom Lennon, nice little fun cameo. Thomas Lennon, yeah. I should say, as the doctor. Um, And... So I, I do think that stuff works, and I think the uh, Commissioner Gordon stuff works, and I think the uh, Blake stuff works, or Joseph Gordon-Levitt stuff works. Um, but the Bane, I mean, Bane just kills me. It really does. It, it it aches my soul. Like it takes this movie from A to like barely a B. You know, like it, it's like a total letter grade downgrade to, uh, in my opinion, I don't know how much a difference it makes. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> that Joseph Gordon-Levitt scene, though, where he comes to Bruce Wayne's house and goes on that insight, that really, really long monologue about, yeah. you're an orphan, I'm an orphan, and, you know, because says, we're like, both I, orphans, I know the look on uh, your you're face. definitely Batman. You're, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I don't... You gotta... When you... In today's day and age, with drone footage and face recognition technology and, and whatnot, it would... If someone literally wore a mask and was a Batman, it would be easy enough to figure out who it is. But if you're going to have a world, you have to you have to commit to a world where it's like, okay, one of the things of this world is it's hard to figure out who Batman is. No one can figure it out. Period. Done. We're finished. I thought that's what we had in this universe. And then he just comes in and says, we're both orphans. You're definitely Batman. Because... You know, you smiled funny one time when I was four. Like, what? That was one of the most bizarre scenes that threw me out of the movie for at least a good three scenes afterwards. I still was like, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, later on in the movie, when um, Commissioner Gordon uh, sees Batman for the last time and he asks who he is, and he still doesn't just say, I'm Bruce Wayne. Like he still has to like, he was a young kid that you gave a fighting chance to, you know, whatever. He's like some cryptic thing. Our commissioner Gordon had to go think about it for a couple of days or whatever till he realized who it was or whatever. Just say, and Bruce Wayne. This is really easy. That's that was a lot easier. It doesn't make for a better movie. I'm just saying it would have saved a lot, a lot of people, a lot of trouble along the way. But yeah, that, that's right. They don't really commit yeah. to not knowing who. Batman, because, I mean, Selena Kyle figures it out soon, too, and then he still talks in the Batman voice to her, and she knows he's Batman and Bruce Wayne, so that's even more... Con- I, I don't know. I, I'm just... I, I'm, I'm done there, but... Uh, you guys ready ready for the counterpoint? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't care about any of that. I think Dark Knight <laughs> Rises is awesome. I... Uh, Bane, I, I don't know why, because... But regardless, the, the voice never bothered me. I love that he is the direct opposite of joker as far as what kind of a a villain he is and the and the way that he uh approaches batman and and vice versa i think that's a kind of a brilliant counterpoint and it 
you also, I think I, maybe I have to give, I give Christopher Nolan a little bit of slack based on, I think Heath Ledger's death put him through the ringer emotionally and he was not ever going to touch anything similar to that. Um, as far as that kind of like, um, all encompassing, really messed up psychotic sort of Mm -hmm. villain. So Bane makes a lot of sense on that front. Um, the scene with uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt where he figures it out, I personally I love that because I feel like it it gives I feel like it gives Bruce Wayne a a person to trust as far as like entrust all of his stuff to. And yes, it is very convenient, but I I think that that is key to um, the conclusion, which I which always has worked for me, and I and I and I, I like it quite a bit. Um, and, and I, I think there's something to, um, I think there's something to like, by the time we get to dark Knight rises, there are more people that are figuring out that, that Bruce Wayne is, is Batman. I think that for whatever, like that makes sense to me in my brain that like, he's been doing this for a few years now, minus the, the recluse part of his, uh, his journey, um, that, it makes sense that a few more people would be able to, to, to piece that together as this is going along. And I love, I love, love, love the sequence where he, uh, where he talks to, where he lets commissioner Gordon know who he is without coming out and telling him because, because I'm a, at my heart, I am a Spielberg guy. And that is a very Spielbergian moment of allowing for this uh, kind of emotional approach instead of a straight, well, I'm Bruce Wayne, you know, uh, that I, I love it all. The, the only complaint I have about dark Knight rises. And I said this at the time, uh, was that it should be two movies. Like, I think if you split that movie into two movies, then you get, I, I think you have a little more time to flesh out some of the elements that feel rushed and some of the storylines that feel rushed and, uh, and come and up you with another billion dollars to make, yeah, you make squad another- two with. <laughs> Exactly. You make another billion dollars. But I also think if you do do that, if you split it into two movies, then everybody freaks out about your tr- you're just money grubbing and you're just trying right, to take our right. money. Up. And, it, and that's a whip to deal with as well. And I and I think I think no one wanted to be done with it by that point, too. But um, you could probably cut 20 minutes from the movie and make it feel even more rushed. But in my mind, it would be better to just say, you know what, we've got almost three hours here. Let's just make it a solid four and cut it in half. And I would be, I would have been thrilled with that. I, I have very few complaints about Dark Knight Rise. I, I, like, it's reasonable to me. Everything you guys are saying is reasonable. Well, and I'm totally on board with it. As far as like, I understand your your point. Like somebody saying, I looked today. Dark Knight Rises. No, excuse me. Dark Knight had 19 uh, neg or uh, rotten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and I thought that's insane. There should not be 19 people in the world, let alone. Um, movie critics who are paid to do this for a living who think that the Dark Knight Rises is not a good movie. Um, I totally understand if you say Dark Knight Rises, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Not good, it's, it, or it, or at the very least, major letdown from the other films. Totally get it. It works for me, and I've I've gone back three or four or five times, and every time I'm like, Am I wrong? Is this bad? And by the end of it, I'm like, Nope, I loved it. It's it's strong. It still holds up for me. No no problem. 
for the record, allow me to jump in real quick. I love The Dark Knight Rises. I I, I love Bane too, and I and I, I especially Brian love that scene where he reveals himself to Commissioner Gordon at the end. I totally tear every almost every time I watch that, I tear up when I watch it. I just my problem with that one scene with Joseph Gordon Levitt was the same problem I had with the Martha scene from Batman Superman, which is the idea is good, the execution was poor. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as Richard is concerned. I'm definitely team Brian on this one. I love the dark neck rises. Loved it. The first time I saw it, like it more, the more I see it, uh, have very little issues with it. There's a few, um, logic jumps, but that goes for, I mean, there's logic jumps in return of the Jedi too. goes for every time you close a series. Um, you know, I just, I just, uh, I, I, in Bane's performance for me, it didn't, it didn't bother me in the theater. I've watched it a couple times on home. I've definitely seen this one the least. Uh, mm-hmm. For some reason, but I I just don't think I've ever owned it is why, because um, I kind of stopped buying DVDs by the time this came out um, or Blu-ray. So I but I I, uh, I I haven't had a problem with the voice. I always thought it was intimidating. Cool. I love his opening scene on that airplane. Same. Um, I just so think good. Be enormously m- menacing and and kind of a perfect. Uh, yeah. And, and, and believably physically. Hey, Batman's kind of solved everyone mentally, but what if we just beat the crap out of him? Yeah. Maybe that's his weakness. And I thought that was a new take on on that. So, and then the, the, it's got a cool reveal. And I, I am, I am in the tank and and sort of in love with uh, uh, Marion Cotillard. So that was that that didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with bringing the Lady of Shadows back into the fold, but that was kind of a that was kind of a I don't know. I don't know how I felt about that when that reveal or her reveal. I, I mean, it's kind of smart, but it's just kind of like, yeah. what? What? It is. Why didn't me, she kill him when she had the, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, yes. it's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's either the weakest part of the script or for me has always felt like this is the part where I really could have used a little bit more fleshing out, which maybe a second movie accommodates that. Movie. Like just bring but, back Liam Neeson, you know, like <laughs> that's, I don't know. Like if uh, I don't yeah that's fine um but what what do we feel about his uh Batman's like uh get decommissioned for a while um uh and his kind of has to he has to get back his physical strength in order to face Bane and then still loses so that's disappointing <laughs> um he does kind of have to rely on his wit uh towards the Waiter parts of a uh, of it after he kind of proves himself wrong. Um, right? Is there um, any issue with the kind of nuclear? We're going to nuke the city. Need to do the fly the nuke away uh, climax of it. No, I. It's probably not the greatest writing in this series. I think that's <laughs> that's a fair uh, assessment. But it also. It works. I think it. By the time you get to that point, you're just like, "Yep." That for me, at least, I'm like, "All right, cool, let's do this." And it it works quite well from a, an emotional standpoint and from a like a, I don't know, like a classic. Why wasn't the first thing they did way. whenever Bane took over the city was deactivate the nuclear energy source that they were talking about earlier in the movie? As hey, this could be made into a nuclear bomb if we're not careful. Oh, don't worry, we've got this. We're down in this flood, so I mean, if anything happens, we can just flood this place, and we're all good, you know. Like, why wasn't that the first thing? Oh, Bane took over the city. Just flood it. Just to just 
we're good. Uh, that would have that would have helped too. Um, but no, that's fine. Um, I I think at the end I I don't I think it's ever really established if he lives or dies. You know, like that's kind of still no no he, he lives. Is that because he? I mean, Alfred talks about a vision that he has. And he never really, you know, like is he having the vision at the end? I don't know. That's that's I, my I, question. I, I think that's left ambiguous. That's like Nolan's point is that Alfred talks about the vision. He always has a vision of that happening. Could he have be having the vision again at the end of that? Maybe, like that's his I perfect like scenario. He's, telling, he's cryptically telling Bruce like where he would want to meet him if yeah you know stuff really hit the fan um because he like is specific about Uh the cafe and all that i don't know well and as much for me personally i think that's this is my only only gripe about the entire trilogy like as the entire thing is that that ending to me just rings so false from a character perspective because one of the things that i've kind of i love about batman is that he's almost borderline psychotic to where he would absolutely never give up so when he's flying that thing out into the bay and they mentioned about 18 times throughout the movie that there's no autopilot, no autopilot, you know, the first time you're watching, you're like, oh man, this is it. Like Christopher Nolan's going to kill Batman. Like that, that's metal. You know what I mean? Like that is so, wow. Okay, here we go. And then that really, to me, deflates the balloon at the end of like, oh no, he just, I mean, essentially, if you want to get real about it, Batman quit. And that to me was just like, what? No, 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 absolutely not. (laughs) No, that is the antithesis of what Batman is to me as a character. And that last 30 seconds of that movie, if we lopped it off with a hacksaw, like I would be so much happier just because the the idea, because to me, Ken, it doesn't play like a fantasy. It plays like, nope, this really happened. He's sipping, you know, Fernet Branca in a cafe. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I feel like he sacrificed himself. And, that the end is like Alfred's fantasy of what it would be, you know, if, if Bruce was still, if his friend was still, that's, that's what, because it's literally the exact same shot as the vision he's telling about, you know what I mean? And the, yeah, the yeah. beginning, it's like shot for shot, the same, which is different people. That makes me think <laughs> he's like having the same dream over and over again. And what do you think, Brian? Do you think that's, do you think that's, how do you you? Is that real? I think it's, I think it's split right between my opinion is split by right between you. I think it's real and I, and I love it. So it's like, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a fantasy or a dream of Alfred's. And I, I kind of love that Batman. And you know, what makes me love it even more is having seen Batman be Superman and watch, um, that character become a psychopathic nut job. Uh, it gives it gives the Dark Knight for the Nolan version of Batman. It gives him a way a send off that is proper and fitting, but also allows him to go away before he becomes uh, before he starts branding people, you know, right. and becomes and also, an insane person. He's kind of defeated the League of Shadows for now. Yeah. And you never know. He could be drawn back to Gotham. We just kind of end the story. He's not on another planet. He's just in Europe or whatever. And it. Uh, to me, it's true to the character of Bruce in that he doesn't really care about anyone's perspe- uh, opinion of him, but he does love Alfred, and he wouldn't want Alfred to always wonder if he was dead or not. So he has to. He goes yeah. to the place that Alfred that's describes. That's exactly why it's not, because Alfred has this huge moment, I failed you, crying at his grave. Yeah. Oh my god, I failed you. You're the last member of the Wayne family. I failed all of you. And 
he sees him at a cafe and doesn't even like it, it, say, "Oh my God, you're alive," or like any of that. That's that's why I think it's the vision is because it was his, his like it's romantic that way. But no, but remember because they they he say says, we'll the just technicians... nod at each other or whatever, and it'll right. and it'll be understood. But like if this is somebody you were crying at their grave and that happened, you wouldn't I, you give more but, than a nod and a wink. Oh, hey, you're alive, cool whatever you know i think that's the, the romanticism of film i don't know like yeah. that to me is like walking I, off i don't into think the you hold sunset. it to real stand adult yeah. you know real human standards and there's the scene I right just before take out that the with, scene of him crying at the grave then at that point that's what you know <laughs> no, what i mean I think, that, I think that fits pretty well but the scene with the technicians talking to lucius fox ta- saying well the uh the autopilot was fixed right before before uh we he he flew it off so i think that kind of to me that solidifies <sighs> it's not a rea- it's not a fantasy it's a reality yeah. That's right. kind of like a. That's kind of playing scared. As if you're Christopher Nolan, though, like you can't leave it. And like he, this is a guy who ended Inception by with the the top. You don't know ever if it ever. You know if what they're in a dream or not. Like that was the exact, end of the movie. Further point that I don't think he would do that twice. I think he would. I think he would leave it as ambiguous as you can. And like you know what? Does he become? Does Joseph Gordon-Levitt become Batman? I don't know. Does he survive? I don't know. He could come back. I don't know. You know that's. I think that's him as a film. I, that's way the way he would end this. Is that interesting? I, I, think, I mean, I love the idea that what I, what I think Nolan was trying to say what, as a conclusion to this entire trilogy is what he was trying to say is that the idea of Batman is kind of eternal, right? That what he was trying to say is that anybody can be a Batman. You don't have to be a millionaire, billionaire with training. It's it's about the desire to do good and to fill in the cracks where the law or whatever won't allow it. And I think that's what he's trying to say with Joseph Gordon-Levitt walking into the Batcave. That's like, okay, he's, he's the only Batman. person he told that to, you know, that right. anybody can be Batman, you know, because he was the only person who really knew that it was Batman other than until he died or whatever. I just for me, I, just for me, the, just even the thought of the like, I, like I think it would have been so much harder if you just kill off Bruce Wayne because the idea to me that Bruce Wayne just quits because he wants to delete, he wants to date Selena Kyle. That's just like what? No, that's, that's kind. Of, but did he quit though? If he really did, just save the city. You well, I mean? but, okay, fine. So, but but there's the thing: Batman saves the city three days a week. Like, and then he goes to bed and he has a cup of coffee in the morning and then he does it all over the right. next night. That's what Batman does. So I get it. Like, you know, it was a nuclear bomb, but you know, you sleep it off, you get back up and you get back <laughs> up there and do it again. Like, yeah. you know, dust it off, man. You don't win the Super Bowl and then quit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We're out of Cincinnati. I guess this but, is uh, where, <laughs> the, you know, Rachel was saying that there wasn't ever going to be a day where he didn't need Batman. That day came, unfortunately, after her death or like, that could have been the day, the day she said that, that you could have come to this conclusion that you don't want to be Batman anymore. Um, but maybe not. Maybe, but he's happy with Selena Kyle. I don't. I didn't buy them either as a uh, lovers or romantic. They had no chemistry um, on that level. But um, the bat. This isn't a car. Um, that was uh, pretty cool. I like the motorcycle too. We never mentioned the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it. All right. All the the vehicle design was awesome in the movie. Oh yeah, hundred percent. All right. Um, any other thoughts on this trilogy? Gosh, this has been crazy. But I mean, I I honestly wish I loved Bane. I do. I just don't. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like I said, it's like I can't unhear something. You know what I mean? Like you hear 
something in a song that you can't unhear, it, it, it ruins the song for you. Like, you can't go back. There's no turning back. You know what I mean? It, it, that's, that's disappointing. That's the most disappointing. There are elements that I do like about Rises, and um, I mentioned those. So, yeah. All one, right. thing, yeah. one thing I'd like to mention, if I mm-hmm. could, because I feel remiss if we didn't talk about it a little bit. Uh, the the scores to these films are are my favorite scores in the history of film music. Um, they're so good. Like these scores are so good, they legitimately make me want to be a better person on a daily basis. Like, that's how good these scores are. Yeah, I just love. I mean, like, there's so many cool, subtle things. Like, I mean, the fact that like like Batman theme is only two notes, and I guess the reason why is because Hans Zimmer said he wanted to do an incomplete theme because like Bruce Wayne never got a complete childhood. So it's just two notes and then it stops, you know, but I just, I, I just love the way that the scores progress and all these characters have different themes. And I don't know. I just wanted to get you guys' opinions on the scores because I, I mean, I, it would not be an exaggeration to say that not a month goes by since these films have come out that I listen to these scores in some capacity or another. Oh, they're fantastic. And oh, yeah. begins really does start it off. Um, James Newton Howard does some work as well as Hans Zimmer on Batman Begins, I believe. And he and, does uh, it on the Dark Knight Rise, or Dark Knight as well, but okay. he didn't, for one reason or another, he didn't come back for the third one. Okay. Um, yeah, great stuff. And again, the Batman theme is so simple. The Joker theme is creepy and simple, and they talk about kind of the dissonance that they... Uh, there's a little, I think it's a little featurette or something on the Blu-ray talking about the Joker's theme, and it's really just like violin dissonant sounds, you know, notes that normally shouldn't go together. And they just kind of get them louder and louder and more intense, you know, and it kind of has gives you that uneasy feeling, you know, um, mm-hmm. they really were smart with this. And Hans Zimmer was at the top of his game here. So I can't I can't argue with that. Um, it's uh, some of the best stuff I've ever heard in a movie. I, I think I can totally agree with that. And it comes to kind of its peak. It, it really hits. It's kind of like. Uh, it hits its stride towards probably the car chase of the dark Knight. Like that's where it's like, you know, total, uh, when they're underneath Chicago or underneath Gotham, um, mm-hmm. and, um, the Joker's driving and he's got the bazooka and all that stuff. I mean, that, that, that's the peak when Batman comes save the day. Oh God, I'm getting chills. Um, it's awesome. Love it. But, uh, they, they use it sparingly too. Like when the Batman theme hits, it hits, you know, and it's a, it's impactful. I hate it when they overuse something they know is good too, which often happens. Uh, but yeah, echoing that. Awesome. We would be remiss if we didn't mention that you're correct. So now we come to the end guys. Um, grades on these, I'm going to grade these high. Um, I'm going to go a for Batman begins a plus for the dark Knight, and B for, um, the Dark Knight Rises. Okay, Brian. For me, it's an A plus Batman Begins, uh, A plus Dark Knight, and it's probably the movie of the decade. Uh, there's some pretty decent competition for that, but that's that would be my first thought uh, of from that decade. And then straight A for Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I would go. And obviously, you didn't see Doom, Brian. For <laughs> movie of the decade, but okay. <laughs> Um, I would go A plus, A plus, A. Boom. 
And Shane, Shane, how about you? Shane, I would go begins A plus Dark Knight A, and then I would go uh, Dark Knight Rises A minus. I think these yeah. films are kind of like I imagine like how I would look at kids. They have some flaws, but you, you love them unconditionally anyway. I didn't Don't know you were these. begins over Dark Knight, Shane. This is a revelation to me. If those are A, A plus, A minus, then where, if it, on that same scale, where's Batman versus Superman? Batman Superman is a solid B minus. Wow, it's that close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you gotta you gotta find the, the things that you like about it, right? I think like uh, the we, piss we, jar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll ignore that piss jar because that is ridiculous. I'll give you that. It's <laughs> an actual that's thing cool. in the movie. We're not. It's not a joke. A movie there is a piss jar designed to sell toys, whose sole purpose <laughs> is to sell toys, as a piss jar. <laughs> yeah, but that toy sold really well. You don't even know. Yeah, they were selling piss jars were flying off the shelves. They could Container store can't keep them on the set. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah, oh, I agree. It uh there was there was stuff to like. The the few stuff to like in uh BVS was the Batman stuff. So I guess yeah, the stuff the- you like is the stuff you like. How pumped are we for Lego Batman? Oh, I'm pretty Super. pumped. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna lie. I like the Lego universe. It looks so like, fun. The right? Legos are, I have to say, not that jack though. So I'm, I'm a little less pumped <laughs> than I should be because they're just kind of not super yoked Legos. Not at all, and, and that's going to be a problem going forward if they want to continue the things. <laughs> Very blocky, you know, like they're mirror muscles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, dude, do some cardio. All right, you gotta, that's how you get cut. Is you add cardio after you lift. Can't see one vein. Ugh. <laughs> Well, Shane, um, I don't uh, think you're on Twitter. Is that correct? That is true. That is okay. true. But I am on Facebook. If anybody wants to be friends with me, actually, a few folks have. So thank you to the the Mad About Movies audience that has befriended me. And please feel free to find me on Facebook, and we'll we'll chat about Batman. It's Shane Byerly, B I E R L E Y. That's exactly right. Yeah, and Brian. You can find him on the uh, on our Facebook page too. Yeah, yeah. Find him on our yeah. friends list there. Uh, like us on Facebook too. We do have a official Mad About Movies Facebook page. But yeah, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Bgill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison and find us online on iTunes at Mad About Movies. Just hit subscribe if you like what you hear. Leave us five stars. That helps grow the show. Thank you to our sponsor for making this episode a possibility. Thank you, Shane. We'll see you on the next Batman episode, I'm sure. And until then, we'll, uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.